Welcome to the New Life Ministries podcast. When the government goes in a direction we don't like, making decisions we can't get behind, we often wish someone else would take over. What if on the news one day, your favorite political leader suddenly announced to the whole country that they discovered they were not the highest power? Curious. Of course. But what would the implications be for you? Also curious. Let's join Curtis as we look at Daniel chapter 4. All right. Good morning. Those of you joining us online, hello. Good morning. It's just so great to see all of you. Today we are going to look at Daniel chapter 4. And if you've got the NLT giant print Bible, it's on page 1328. Page 1328. Today's talk is called God versus the Empire. Bum, bum, bum. Could you tell me a story when the government screwed you over in just one sentence? (laughs) You're all smiling and giggling. All right, we got lots of stories. Sometime when the government did something that you thought was awful and they got away with it. Um, or someone in, in authority uh, abused their power. Maybe they cut off a check that you were expecting because of suspicion or misunderstanding, but not really fact. Can y'all, can y'all sort of think of a story where the government messed you up? You got one? One sentence. GST. <laughs> so uh, we, could, we could go on because there are lots of stories, right? And I'm t- doing this kind of intentionally to, to kind of get you riled up. Um, so that you're in the right headspace for this story. If you're a little riled up at the government, you're in a good spot to read Daniel 4. So this book of Daniel is called Daniel, but in the first three chapters and in today, the main character has actually been Nebuchadnezzar. Like he's been the main guy in the story. In chapter one, Nebuchadnezzar thought that he had defeated the God of the Jews, but we found out that actually God set up his people to run the kingdom, so you know, who was defeated? In chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar was the greatest of kings, but he was wondering how long is he going to stay in power? How long will he be the greatest? And he had a dream that was interpreted by Daniel. And after the dream is done, Nebuchadnezzar says, truly your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries. In chapter three, Nebuchadnezzar was going to throw three guys into a fiery furnace for not worshiping him and his statue. And when the story was done, Nebuchadnezzar responded with praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for there is no God who can rescue like this. So he keeps having these relationships with God, but there's this question of, is he getting the message? Like, is he getting it? What's happening? Well, today we have yet another story with Nebuchadnezzar, and it's another dream. But the story starts with a declaration from Nebuchadnezzar to the people in his empire. And the Babylonian empire at this point in time was massive. It was the biggest one there was. And he writes a letter to the folks in his empire. So imagine if in the news this week, there was a press release from a a big politician directly from uh, Trudeau or directly from Trump or directly from Putin who says at the start, Folks of the world, let me tell you a story all about how I learned that there is a God in heaven above me. Like we would stop and go, what? Tell tell us the story. That's where this chapter four starts. He writes this letter to all the world saying, I got to let you know, I'm not the the top guy. There's a God above me. And everyone in the kingdom went, oh, do tell. (laughs) That's chapter four. Let me offer a prayer. Father, I would ask that you would speak to us through this passage once again, that your word 
would work in our heart and draw us to understand who you are and what you would, how you want us to be. Remind us of your goodness, remind us of your ability and your power that we've been talking about all morning. Um, and show us the way you want us to live with this understanding of who you are. Be glorified and glorify yourself in our midst. Amen. Okay, Daniel 4. King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how powerful his wonders. His kingdom will last forever, his rule throughout all generations. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in comfort and prosperity. But one night I had a dream that frightened me. I saw visions that terrify me as I lay in my bed. So I issued an order calling all the wise men of Babylon so they could come and tell me what my dream meant. When all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. At last, Daniel came in before me, and I told him the dream. He was named Balthasar after my God. The spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said to him, Balthasar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now, tell me what my dream means. While I was lying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves, and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade, and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. Then, as I was laying there, I saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. And the messenger shouted, Cut down the tree and lop off the branches. Shake off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Now let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field. For seven periods of time, let him have the mind of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. For this has been decreed by the messengers. It is commanded by the holy ones so that everyone may know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of this world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest of people. Belteshazzar, that was the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now tell me what it means, for none of the wise men of my kingdom can do so. But you can tell me because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Upon hearing this, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Belteshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. Belteshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, and not to you. The tree you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. 
Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, is you. For you have grown strong and great. Your greatness reaches up to heaven and your rule to the ends of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven, saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. This is what that dream means, your majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to my Lord the King. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the field with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of this world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the field with the wild animals, and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way, until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of this world and gives them to anyone he chooses. That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled, and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were as bird's claws. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned, and I praised and worshipped the Most High and honored the One who lives forever. His rule is everlasting, and His kingdom is eternal. All the peoples of the earth are nothing compared to Him. He does as He pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as the head of my kingdom, with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the King of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. Big story, eh? It's neat. So it seems like this story is about Nebuchadnezzar once again discovering that there is a God who's stronger than him because we've seen this three other chapters now. And at one level, that is the story that's going on. 
But what is new in this story that we didn't see before? And the idea that gets repeated, the first part of the idea is the one who is most high rules. Heaven rules. The king in heaven rules. That phrase, the most high rules over the kingdom of the world, he gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest of people, is repeated verbatim three specific times in the book. Right in the beginning, when he tells the dream, uh, the messengers say it to him. And the second section where Daniel's explaining the dream, it's quoted again. And in the third part where the dream is fulfilled, the voice from heaven says the very same thing. So this passage wants us to hear the one who was most high rules over the kingdoms of the world. You might think, okay, has Nebuchadnezzar understood this lesson? Like, did he get it? I think so. I think so because he's the one telling this story and he's telling it to people in his kingdom. And it's kind of an embarrassing story. So if he didn't want people to know, he wouldn't have told the story. In his opening declaration, verse 2, I want all you to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. And at the closing of this big letter, he says, My sanity returned, and I praised and worshipped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting. His kingdom is eternal. He wants you to know he has learned this. And in the dream, did the messenger say to him, this is going to happen to you because you're arrogant and you think you are a god and you need to be brought down to size? No. In the dream, the messengers say, this is going to happen to you, verse 17, so that everyone may know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of this world and he gives them to anyone he chooses, even the lowliest of people. Nebuchadnezzar wants you to know that the Most High rules. So the question is, have we? Have we heard this? Have we figured this out yet? Because the story is being told to us so we understand. And that's the new point in this chapter. That's the part that this chapter adds to Daniel that the first three chapters hasn't, haven't added yet. Do you get it? So let's say you receive this letter and you are under the power of King Nebuchadnezzar and, you, and his empire and you feel pressed by it. Or consider if today you feel a little oppressed by the government. And certainly as we've seen in the news over the past while, there are some parts in the world with some pretty oppressive governments. Um, if you were to receive, you're under the oppression of the government and you were to receive this letter from the head of the government saying that he has just had an experience to teach him that there is a power greater than him, there would be a certain release within you and there would be a certain hope within you. Like you would be released from your fear that, okay, there's a higher power. Maybe he will, that higher power will give me hope. And maybe that higher power will free me from oppression. And the thing of the thing is, what King Nebuchadnezzar is saying is true. There is one in heaven who does rule over the kingdoms of men. 
and you know him. Have confidence. Like, have confidence in your God because this is true. What if we were someone who received this letter in the empire, but you like King Nebuchadnezzar. Things are going your way. You're benefiting from the power because you're associated with the power. Or what if today you think the government actually is going to make your life work better? You've got a lot of hope in the government. What would this message, what would this letter say to you? What if the head of the government says, oh, you know what? I found out there's a higher power. Well, you'd be like, wait, there's a higher power? What's his agenda? Or what's that power's agenda? How's that going to affect me? Because I was aligning with power, and now there's higher power. This passage is helping us understand how we are to relate with government in the face of how we tend to relate with government. We tend to be either afraid or we try to power up beside. And this passage is saying, no, there's one higher. I've noticed that sometimes people talk in a way to create fear. Uh, you know, listening to someone at a at table at lunch or something, uh, well, not here, because there's only two of us, <laughs> so it's not you. Um, but, you know, I was at an event, and there's a table of people eating lunch, and someone's telling a story, and, he, and he's saying, I'm really concerned about these decisions, or I think we need to be really careful if we go down this path, and here's the disaster that's going to come if we follow this line of thinking. It's like, you, you're trying to create fear in this table. And it's, it's okay to critique and evaluate. Um, it's okay to think critically. Like, that's good. But if someone, or if it's you, is trying to make people afraid so that they side with your power, well, then this message is that the one with the most power is saying, yeah, there's a higher power. Like, that's... That's really healthy to know that whatever power is around the table, that's not the power. There is a higher power. I was thinking this morning, I, do you know what an anger fantasy is? We've talked about those. That's when your mind gets lost in a story and you start getting really upset or angry at something that hasn't happened. You're just thinking it. That was happening through morning devotions yesterday, as, or this morning as I was thinking about a situation where I felt that one of my close friends was powerless, and it's like, I just wanted to start fighting. Our emotions respond to what we are thinking about. Like, your emotions don't tell you if what you're thinking is right or wrong, if it's true or false. They just give you emotional feedback to what you're thinking about. So if you're thinking about a fantasy, your emotions will tell you how you feel about that fantasy. To change your feelings, if sometimes you feel like your feelings get out of control on you, especially when it comes to relating with the government, to change your feelings, change your thinking. And bring this thought of this chapter into your thinking. The Most High, the King of Heaven, is the one who actually rules. That is the actual power. And you know that king. You know the God of heaven. And you know he's good and he loves you. And he's aware of all things and he's working his plan. Bring that truth into your thinking to help get control of your emotions. So let me read to you a little bit about the kingdom of Babylon. Uh, Those of you who... um, groove on 
architecture and things will like this. This is from Stephen Miller, <clears throat> and it's just a summary. Babylon was a, was a rectangular-shaped city surrounded by a broad and deep water-filled moat and then by an intricate system of double walls. The first double wall encompassed the main city. Its inner wall was 21 feet thick and reinforced with defense towers every six, at 60-foot intervals, while the outer wall was 11 feet thick and also had watchtowers. Later, Nebuchadnezzar added another double wall system, an outer wall 25 feet thick and an inner wall 23 feet thick, east of the Euphrates that ran the incredible distance of 17 miles and was wide enough on the top of this wall for chariots to pass. The height of the wall's not known, but the Ishtar Gate, which is still standing, or the architectural, the, um, the remains of it is still there, the Ishtar Gate was 40 feet high, and the walls would have been approximately this size. A 40-foot wall would have been a formidable barrier for enemy soldiers. Yeah, you think? <laughs> and there's four walls. The Ishtar Gate was on the north side. It led, in, it led into Procession Street, 62 feet wide, 1,000 yards long, paved with imported stone. The bridge, 400 feet long, spanned the Euphrates between the east and west sectors of the city. Nebuchadnezzar enjoyed at least three palaces there and had constructed the famous hanging gardens, apparently so his wife could enjoy a taste of her native Medea, which she had left for the flatlands of Babylon. No wonder it all had Nebuchadnezzar talking to himself about how great he was. <laughs> well, you know, different color schemes. You know, one's contemporary, one's modern. I know, I know. It's over the top. So God decides to turn Nebuchadnezzar's thinking into an animal to show that God rules. So it's not that Nebuchadnezzar goes insane. Rather, he's given the mind of an animal and lives the existence of an animal for a period of time. When I was writing this talk, I wanted to call this talk God versus the Werewolf, a human becoming an animal. <clears throat> you know, Halloween's around the corner. <clears throat> but he didn't become a wolf. He ate grass like a cow. He was drenched with the dew of heaven, so he was wet from rain. And he lived this way until his hair was as long as an eagle's feathers. Thank you, mate. And his nails were like bird claws. So if your hair grows half an inch a month, and a bird's, an eagle's feathers, you know, 11, 12 inches, we're talking at least 22, 24 months. Some people have suggested it might even have been seven years. Uh, he, the band of iron suggests that he was tied up or tethered. Like, this is the existence of an animal. Outside, in the weather, tied up, eating grass, God versus the cow. But that doesn't sound threatening at all. So why did God do this? So this is my thinking. Humans are under the authority of God. Animals are under the authority of humans. Like we actually have power over the animals. Well, they may overpower us, but we're the ones given to run the planet, not the animals. God put Nebuchadnezzar under the authority of humans as other animals. And it seems so that Nebuchadnezzar would learn what it means to be under authority. <clears throat> 
If God was to make Nebuchadnezzar just one of the common folks of his empire, he may have learned about oppression and poverty and injustice, but that's a different lesson. By making him an animal, he has to learn what it is to live under the authority or power of another species. And in this way, he learns what it is to be under the authority and power of a God or the Most High God. God is a different species than us. That's not even the right word. But if you allow for that word, humans are above the species of animal. Sorry, yeah, and God is above the species of human. So Nebuchadnezzar learns, I am a lower species than the God of heaven who rules all things. And that's the lesson he has to learn. Daniel, I think, understood this message right from the start of the story, which is why Daniel responds to Nebuchadnezzar the way he does. I just see great compassion towards Nebuchadnezzar. And remember, last week we concluded that Nebuchadnezzar was a bully. But in verse 19, Daniel says, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my Lord, and not to you. Like, that's a compassionate statement. And then in verse 27, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. I don't see that peace in the dream. I think this is Daniel really not wanting this, uh, this um, prediction to come true. And so from his own wisdom, Daniel's saying, I know what the God in heaven is like, and your behavior isn't pleasing with him, so please change. I just see a lot of compassion in Daniel. But he's, and please don't kill me when I tell you what I'm going to tell you. Well, yes. <laughs> so Daniel's compassionate, but he's telling the truth. God rules, we can tell the truth. Like that's, God rules. When we talk with people, we can tell truth. So I've said this before. As disciples of Jesus, as being part of God's people on earth, folks who don't connect with God connect with us to connect with God. Like that's part of what happens. And they see this in us better than we see it in ourselves. You, you hear the number of times Nebuchadnezzar says about Daniel, he has the spirit of the holy gods in him. He says it three or four times in the beginning. And that's just, that's the religious framework that, uh, that Nebuchadnezzar has for referring to Daniel. It's kind of like when someone says to you, I know you're a good person. And you're thinking to yourself, I ain't good. But, but that's their framework. Or I know you're a spiritual person. And you're like, I'm not sure that would be a word I would use. That's their framework for understanding who you are. People recognize uh, that we have a special connection to the spiritual side of life. Nebuchadnezzar realized Daniel has some connection to this God. Um, and so they, uh, Nebuchadnezzar connects with Daniel to connect with this God. Please interpret this dream. People connect with you to connect with this God. And you will respond as someone who does know the Most High. Like that's, that's your role. You do know the Most High. So be confident in your God and serve. Answer their questions, answer their concerns. Two weeks ago, I was at a Pathfinders Fellowships Conference, which happened to be held in Winnipeg this year. 
And so that was the organization I used to work for when I was doing house churching. Um, and this conference really isn't about house churching, or it's not anymore. These are folks who are apostles and evangelists, and they're trying to just help the average Canadian reconnect with Jesus and with God, or connect with Jesus and God. And they had just fantastic stories of loving their neighbors, just simple things they're doing to love their neighbors. One person, uh, one couple invites their neighbors over to watch the TV show, The Chosen, which is very successful, easy to watch on Netflix, and I think it's even got its own streaming service. But they invite their non-Christian neighbors over and say, hey, let's watch this show. Yes, it's about Jesus, but it's a show. And when it's done, they say, what did you learn? What do you think? And they just, they just discuss spiritual things to create doors and avenues for their friends to connect with Jesus. Another guy, he uh, is part of a pickleball league and plays pickleball, I don't know how many times a week. And the league, I, get, I guess, has many, many people in it who are part of teams and teams compete with teams. And he just said, when you're not playing, you sit beside whoever and you talk with them and you just get into your, their life. And this, this group of people at Pathfinders are just normal everyday folks who are present and they're connected and they're available. And it's very much what Charles and Christine were sharing, what Christine was sharing in the prayer and share time about their neighbor. It's that, it's just being there. The Most High rules over the kingdoms of this world, and you know him, you belong to him, you serve him. So Nebuchadnezzar wrote a letter to his empire so that people would know the Most High rules over the kingdoms of this world. And then he told them this very embarrassing, very crazy experience of being turned into the mind of an animal for a while. What would that say to folks in his empire? Folks who were afraid of him, you don't need to be afraid. There's a higher power. Folks who celebrated and wanted to side up with his power, there's a higher power, he's not it. Let that filter into your thinking. There is a higher power. Daniel lived with this understanding that the Holy One in heaven rules, and he offered compassion and truth to his king because Nebuchadnezzar knew that somehow Daniel is connected to this God, and you do too. You know this God and are connected to this God. So what's been catching your attention in this passage of Scripture? What's kind of been, um, where's the Holy Spirit been drawing your thinking? Um, what has been sort of... Uh, going on in your mind and your heart in this passage? So the two things that were kind of catching in my brain this morning, uh, when you were reading uh, the passage first, <laughs> what my brain immediately jumped to is it felt like Nebuchadnezzar was being arrested for tax evasion. He wasn't paying his dues, and so he got put on timeout for a while and then got to come back. And I loved that the punishment that God gave him was, okay, so you are all about this power and prestige. You are now going to have zero power and be an embarrassment to your entire kingdom. Have fun. Yeah. And then he had to come back and own it. Yes. <laughs> Which is fantastic. But yeah, so that, that is. Love it. What came through this morning? Oh, I love it. 
when God provides a miserable experience for someone, he's usually loving. And he provided a miserable experience for Nebuchadnezzar, but he loved him. He cared for him so much that he went to long, uh, to a great deal of effort to bring Nebuchadnezzar to his senses, which was the most loving and kindest thing that he could have done. Nice. Yeah, there was one commentator said, at what point was Nebuchadnezzar actually insane? And was it like well before the story even started? Two thoughts. One is that um, it's pretty clear. Like, God is really aware of human interactions and he knows that Nebuchadnezzar is obviously a huge, huge influence on so many people in the world. And he is concerned, God is concerned, not just for Nebuchadnezzar's own heart and soul, but but for the effect that he's having on all these people. And as he's, uh, that's, that's part of why I think that, that he does these things is he's like, I'm concerned about the effect you're having on your family. I'm concerned about the effect you're having on your community. I'm concerned about you, but you are also affecting a bunch of people. So we need to talk about your, your stuff. And um, it's, it's fascinating to see that God is aware of that. We might think that would be beneath his notice, but it's really not. And the other thing is, I know there have been a couple of times in my life where things are really difficult. And I have been motivated to say something like, okay, help me learn it. Help, whatever's going on that I'm supposed to be learning here, help me to learn it so we don't have to come back here. <laughs> so we don't have to do this again in a different version, uh, maybe harder. And he could have saved himself this whole experience if he had been curious and open and teachable earlier because he had several clear, clear. These are just the ones we know about. We don't know how long God's been trying to be like, <clears throat> Um, high and mighty king, let's have a talk. Um, and so because he was not open, the last um, lesson basically got applied with a baseball bat, essentially. Um, and so just it's encouraging to think if something is difficult or isn't making sense, we, we can ask God, you know, help me learn, help me not waste this. Help me not waste this experience. Help me, help me learn what, I'm, what you're trying to get my attention on. So anyway. Oh, I love it. So the thing that really got me was how much compassion God had for him in that Daniel had come in advance and given pretty much the exact wording and cause and the whole shebang and said, I wish this wasn't going to happen to you. Turn back now. It's not too late. And then it was the very moment it says, while the words were still in his mouth, a voice called from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. Remember, we had this conversation years ago. It wasn't a matter of, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar just went crazy and ate grass for a while. It was, look at how amazing I am. And God says, by the way, remember that conversation we had years ago? Now it's going to happen. And the real proof is in the pudding. The very end of the chapter. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven, for all his acts are just and true, mm -hmm. and he is able to humble the proud. Yeah. Love it. I love that. I Picking up on what you said and what Christine said, uh, justice is love expressed to all. Like that's part of what justice means. And so when, when God says, um, it's, you know, it's not just 
you that I need to deal with, you're having an effect on this family, this neighborhood, this group of people. Justice is also me caring for everybody here. And that means this piece of the story has to be dealt with. I just love that idea. And he's finally not saying your God. You're Daniel, you're, you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and, and I'm going to be, go to bat for him. And if anybody disses your God, I'm going to, I'm gonna, like, he's not saying like, I'm God, I'm going to be God's, you know, God's soldier. yeah, he's finally saying the God, the God who actually has to do with me. Cause obviously he just did. So he's finally putting God in his right place. Not just one of the gods, your God. And I'm sure those guys have gods too, but your God's pretty cool. You know, he's finally saying the, the God. Yeah. Two thoughts. One, the more important one, is just this aspect of, uh, I guess, being encouraged both by this story and uh, and your teaching on it, Curtis, and also the example of, you know, taking the time yeah, yeah. to speak to others and to use scripture. Like, this is what I have learned. This is how God has helped me. This is part of my story. I guess, like you said, Curtis, for people who cannot yet relate directly to God, they relate through us. And I just feel that, you know, how can I do that better? How can I do that more often? Yeah, how does that become more of a practice in my life rather than an afterthought? Yeah, yeah. Is maybe the, the most accurate way to say it. So just being encouraged in that direction. And the second one is uh, just noting in Daniel's compassionate response, like in, in verse uh, 27, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. So interesting, be merciful to the poor. Yeah. If you look at Job's life, what did Job do? He cared for the poor. God considered him a righteous man. Uh, you take a look at the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. What did they not do? They did not care for the poor. Right. They did not treat the needy with kindness. And so that is maybe a message and a warning to us that God really, really values that we take care of our neighbors and, and of the poor, that that's really important to him, yeah. not to hoard everything for ourselves. So just interesting that, that even that theme is repeated here very, very briefly. Yeah, nice. Really nice. How we treat the poor is one of the major, major themes of Scripture. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. One of the things that struck me about this is, you know, something that I've been aware of in my own life and I see it in other people's life. God truly is the hound of heaven. He never gives up. You don't get it. I'll be back. And, you, you know, and we'll try something else that he never gives up on people. Yeah. Nice. I just find this idea very hopeful that God rules. You think about our world and the political and, and the unrest, but God rules, and that gives us hope and encouragement. Yeah. For me, what really stood out, you said something about, like, aligning to power. Yes. And then this idea of like fear and people causing fear at the table. Yeah. And I found it a more maybe eye-opening to the stresses I've been feeling lately and not having words to it 
and um, living in a space of like people that are very concerned about what if and potentially aren't really aligned or aren't really like seeking to have like God's power over them and then seeing how that's affecting me. Yeah. Yeah. Like living in their truth instead of my truth. Yes. Causing a lot of stress and fear that I didn't used to have. That makes sense. I was talking to someone a week ago who was concerned about the war in Israel and as they talked, they were getting so anxious and anxious and anxious. And I was like, just, like you start picking up their energy. I'm like, wait, you're, you're telling me truths. You're like, they're telling me a perspective I'm not sure I even fully buy, but I'm picking up on the energy, on the fear and the anxiety. It's like, oh man, let's, so I love what you said about getting back to what I know is true. Yeah, love it. Let me offer a prayer. Father, Father, you are the one who is most high and you rule over this world and you give you give and you do whatever you want lord it is good for us to remember that you are of a different species than us without wanting to use an offensive term you are god sovereign and we praise you and we thank you and we acknowledge we acknowledge your power, and yet, Lord, I praise you and I thank you because you reveal yourself to us. As Barry said, you chase after us. You want us to know you, and you want us to know your love and your forgiveness and your kindness and your goodness and your plan to restore. You want us to see your glory. Thank you for being this way. Um, Father, as we live this week, remind us of these truths that whatever we encounter, you are stronger. And also, Lord, remind us that the world that does not know you often looks to us as a way to connect with you. Help us to be in that role and to be faithful with that role, to help people know your love and your goodness and your desire. So we praise you. Thank you very much. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. New Life Ministries is located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. You are invited to join our service in person or over Zoom. Please use the contact us link to send an email to the church office and request the address or Zoom link. If you would like to use these podcasts as part of your home church or local church gathering, you are free to do so. We do request that you let us know. If there is any other way that we can help you in your ministry, please send us an email.